0: Welcome to this week's edition of Bowl Season Stories. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season. And each week, different guests from the world of college football join me to talk about current topics in the sport, as well as discuss what they remember most about their bowl game experiences. Today, we are joined by Associated Press National College Football writer, Ralph Russo, former Alabama Safety, Super Bowl champion, and current SEC Network analyst, Roman Harper, and TransPerfect Music City Bowl Executive Director Scott Ramsey. Today's show is brought to you by Tax Act, the official tax filing solution of bowl season. And also joining me, as she does each week, is our on-air producer, Angela Lang. Angela, good morning. The regular season is over. Conference championship games are about to start, and then we head into bowl season. Where did the season go?
1: I don't know, but it always gets very, very interesting at the end, doesn't it, Nick? I mean, so many exciting games over the past weekend. I can't wait to get into it. So much to dive into. And we've got such a great media guest to talk about it with us today. Uh, Ralph uh, Ralph Roussa, as you mentioned, the lead college football writer at the Associated Press. He also hosts the AP's Top 25 College Football Podcast. We're so happy to welcome him to our podcast. And there is no shortage of things to talk about, right, Ralph?
2: There is a lot going on, on and off the field, really. And as you can see by the background here, I'm actually in Dallas covering some meetings to see if maybe in the not-too-distant future, we will have an expanded playoff. It will be more than four teams. For now, it's four, but we're talking about maybe going to 12 uh, as soon as 2024.
0: Well, we'll get to that, Ralph. First of all, thanks for joining us. You and I have been friends a long time couple of Italians from the Northeast, you know, we, we, we got to stick together. Uh, Angela and I talked about it briefly before we look ahead. Can, can we talk about last weekend for a minute? I mean, Michigan, Ohio state, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn. I love the NFL, but there's nothing they can do to compare to what we experienced this past Saturday in college football. Talk, talk to us about that.
2: Yeah, it really was an all timer. If you think about uh, sort of the idea of, Um, teams that have had a hard time winning their rivalry games. And I think it also sort of showed that, you know, we talk a lot about the playoff and the stakes beyond just the game itself. But I think a Saturday like that, not only were there major ramifications as far as national title conference titles, but I think for, for Michigan, just beating Ohio state, right. Was euphoric. For Oklahoma State, just winning Bedlam for the first time, and I think it was seven years, six, seven years, was euphoric. And, you know, you can even some, find some other rivalries. Uh, you know, Minnesota very rarely beats has beaten Wisconsin, and they took the axe, right, which one of the great trophies in all of college football. It was one of the greatest, better uh, rivalry Saturdays I can remember. Again, super high stakes, amazing intensity. Um, And, and breakthrough victories, the first iron bowl to ever go to overtime. Uh, Yeah. I'm with you, Nick. Like, you know, I I enjoy an NFL Sunday, but there is nothing like uh, the, the impact and the pageantry of a big college football Saturday.
0: Yeah, I I agree. You, you uh, you mentioned earlier, and and as we can tell by, by the backdrop, you're in Dallas uh, outside the college football playoff meetings uh, one of the biggest criticisms of the CFP in its first seven years uh, is the appearance of the same teams every year. Uh, there has not been a lot of diversity in terms of the the, the the name brand of of teams that have been in that top four. It looks like this year is going to change a little bit, maybe even a lot, depending on the outcome of this week's conference championship games. Do you think parity at the top is good for the game?
2: I, I do. I think it's good for um, fans of other teams to feel like they have a chance. I think it's good for fans of the sport in general to feel like this is not a foregone conclusion that if I watch Michigan and Ohio state, Michigan has a chance to win uh, that if I, if I follow the ACC, there's a chance that Clemson might not win. Um, the, 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 the idea of having a playoff and Clemson is definitely not getting in Ohio state is pretty much out of it. And Alabama could very well be out of it, too, after this weekend. Oklahoma, as well, pretty, pretty much eliminated. The idea of having a playoff without those four teams, when it seemed at the beginning of the year, it was almost a foregone conclusion that those four teams would continue to dominate their conferences. Listen, I, I know it feels bad for those four teams, but I do think for fans of college football in general who have seen these same teams cycle through, the idea of hey maybe i'll get something different i do think is good for the sport in general
0: do you have uh, any predictions for the championship games this weekend or or maybe just anything in particular that's intriguing to you you mentioned a little bit of you know what what could unfold should certain games go go a certain way
2: Sure, I, I, would, I would say this, and uh, I, I paused in writing a column where I have to pick the games, which, I, which I'm not necessarily very good at to, to talk to you today, but I would say that here's some things I think the most interesting things to look out for this weekend, when you talk about how the conference championships games will play out and what they might mean for the college football playoff. Can Alabama lose to Georgia and still get in? Is there a path here, a two loss team has never made the playoff, but Georgia has played some of the most dominant football we have seen really. I mean, they've done it a little differently because they've done it with defense in this era of offense, but they have been as dominant as any team we've seen in recent years. Is there a way that Alabama can play them so close and competitively that the committee might say, they deserve another shot? You know, I'm not a big fan of getting do-overs, um, but I could I, I wonder if there's a way that Alabama can lose and still get in. The other thing I think that's super interesting to watch is there's never been a team outside the Power Five conferences to make the playoff. Cincinnati is in that position now, number four going into this weekend. If it wins, does that mean the Bearcats are safely in? Or is there a possibility that the big 12 champion, Oklahoma State, which has a chance to be twelve and one with a Power Five conference championship title, is there a pass? Is there a chance the Bearcats could get past? So those are the two things that are most intriguing to me going into this weekend.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think a, the second point you made, I think a lot of uh, the the college football fans across the country are kind of kind of rooting for Cincinnati, that underdog, to finally get their chance. You know, when they've been so close in recent years, and and I know the committee does not uh, take into account. Count previous seasons, but it's hard not to think about the fact that Cincinnati went toe to toe with this same Georgia team uh, in the bowl game last year. And here we are. Everybody thinks Georgia is, is you know, the, the the class of college football, and does Cincinnati belong or not this year? It's hard not to. It's hard to remove that from your memory.
2: Oh, I completely agree. Right. I mean, you can tell me what the protocol is, but there are also human beings in the room who we remember. Uh, and just because you know, I know I'll hear it from Georgia fans, I know you had a few of your key players sitting out last year on that game, but so did Cincinnati. Uh, so I, I, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, I think, it, listen, I root for stories as a reporter. It would be a really interesting story to see Cincinnati get, get a chance to be the outsider. It's not something that college football's, the, the, the structure of college football really embraces all the time like it does in college basketball, when we love the Cinderella and Cinderella gets a lot of chances. That's not always the structure uh, that accommodates that in college football. But I think a lot of people would find it really interesting to see Cincinnati breakthrough.
0: This podcast is called Bowl Season Stories. So let's talk about bowl games for a minute. Uh, I know you didn't go to a lot of bowl games as a fan when you were a kid growing up in New York, since there simply weren't any that were geographically close to you at that time, the pinstripe bowl is only 10 years old. Uh, But did you ever watch bowl games as a kid? I'm sure you did. I mean, what did you think of them at that time, specifically that time of year that we call bowl season?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I I love them Uh, growing up in New York and and in Queens is not exactly a place where you find a lot of college football fans, but I caught the bug early on. Uh, And part of it was the regular season seeing these games from what seemed like very far off places baton rouge louisiana lincoln nebraska right for a kid from queens that might as well have been mars but it, it, it really drew me in and very very soon after that i remember you know being 10 11 years old and thinking man January 1st is just the best day of the year you have all these amazing college football games and I can remember even gosh I couldn't have been any more than a 10 11 years old being at a, a a New Year's Eve party with my parents and trying to watch a blue bonnet bowl you know on which was the old uh, uh, bowl game from Houston um, back in the in the 80s. And I, I can't, I'm trying to remember who was playing in that game. It might have been the University of Houston. It might have been Texas Tech. But I do s- distinctly remember trying to seek out these bowl games because I just thought they were so cool. And again, January 1st being the pinnacle of it all, to sit back all day and just watch these games from these amazing venues. And um, I think the thing that really sealed me as a lifelong fo- college football fan was the famous miami nebraska orange bowl where miami had the big upset over that great nebraska team tom osborne goes for two instead of kicking for the tie like that orange bowl i believe that was the 83 orange bowl maybe the 83 season going into so the 84 orange bowl you can you can fact check me there angela um that was again, that game hooked me. I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. And I thought, well, that's just about the best football game I've ever seen. This is incredible. I am totally down with this sport. And from that point on, like it was really, it was the sport for me. I, it's amazing to think again, a guy from Queens who grew up rooting for the Jets and the Mets would be, you know, sort of had the goal to become a college football writer, but I was lucky enough to, to, to have that break my way.
0: Yeah, we hear a lot of stories like this, Ralph, on this podcast, whether it be from players who have participated in games, the communities that host the games, and just, just fans, you know, at different points of their lives. Now, you, as a professional, you've you've covered bowl games. Tell, tell us about some of the experiences you've had covering bowl games and writing about them over the years.
2: So, I've covered some of the – I'm very lucky. Over the last 15 years, I've covered some of the best games in college football history. I've covered the Rose Bowl with USC in Texas. I've covered every national championship game since 2004. So lucky me, right? I am very fortunate. I uh, covered the Boise State, uh, Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl, one of the great upsets of all time. But I think my best bowl story is a little farther down the bowl uh, ladder. I covered the Snow Bowl, the, Indi- the Independence Bowl, where it snowed like mad as if it was the Northeast in Shreveport, Louisiana. It snowed about three inches, four or five inches over the course of about two or three hours. Uh, in 2001, I believe, or 2000, the 2000 game between Texas A&M and Mississippi State. And I remember just being as shocked as it, like I remember turning to people because I was still relatively new to the South at that time. I had just moved to Mississippi. And I remember asking people, do you guys get snow here? Like, where does it? This... And they all laugh. Like, no, this is we never get anything like that. It it snowed as if it was Buffalo for most of the first half. The kids on the team, guys from Mississippi State, I remember talking to them after the game, saying, Man, I've played in snow. I've never even seen snow. It was. One of the most famous bowl games ever, even though it didn't decide a national championship, didn't decide a conference championship. It was just an amazing game played in the snow between these two Southern teams in a Southern city that went into overtime. Um, One of the all-time most memorable bowls. And again, very fortunate to have actually been there and covered it.
0: Yeah. We talk about that a lot here. You know, bowl games don't have to necessarily Factor into the national championship picture to be memorable meaningful uh to everybody involved so last question is there any bowl game that you've never been to that you'd like to based on its location its tradition maybe one where it's not snowing uh any anyone on your list
2: well i i do
0: enjoy the
2: nicer weather and i've never covered a holiday bowl uh, so you know going to San Diego there's that's always it's, it's got a tradition of being a really entertaining bowl too. now back in the day again going back to my youth of what turned me on to college football, the holiday Bowl had the reputation for being these wild high scoring games with BYU has it's kind of moved away from that a little bit now but nonetheless like I, I think that's a game uh, that again a ton of tradition, Uh, that I really like, you know, I've gone to a lot of other smaller, quote unquote, smaller bowl games. That's one I haven't had a chance to go to. I think that one would be one, uh, I would say, put that on my list of of wishes.
0: Well, I I can help to make that happen. Should you want to go uh, sometime in the near future? Ralph, uh, I I know you're busy. Hopefully you didn't miss any breaking news down there in Dallas. Uh, Thank you for being on the show. Hopefully we'll run into each other on the road somewhere this bowl season.
2: That sounds great. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Angela.
0: We're going to take a short break and be right back with SEC college football analyst Roman Harper. Stay with us. The forecast for this tax season: it's going to rain refunds. Lots of refunds. File for less and get more with Tax Act, the official tax filing software of Bowl Season. Go to taxact.com to get started today.
1: Welcome back to the Bowl Season Stories podcast. We just heard Nick and Ralph talk a little bit about the Crimson Tide, and I bet our next guest will have a lot to say about that topic. Please welcome former Alabama safety, Super Bowl champion, and SEC analyst, Roman Harper. Roman, welcome to the podcast.
3: Hey, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to it. I didn't play in a lot of bowl games, but I can share what I know, and uh, it's pretty good.
0: Well, you did play in a few, Roman. I know you played in the uh, Music City Bowl 2004 against Minnesota, the Cotton Bowl of 2006, uh, which was a victory against Texas Tech. Uh, let's jump right into it. Well, what was the bowl experience like for you? The the travel, to Nashville and Dallas, the events, the food, the camaraderie with the teammates. We hear about that a lot. What do you remember about those trips?
3: Uh, well, some of the funnest things you have are the bowl games. You know, you you get to go and travel, and this is before you know. I didn't grow up getting on planes and going places, so. My first trip was in college when we went to on the first road game my freshman year, and I remember how nervous I was just flying. So then at this point now you get bowl seasons. You know, you get the per diem, so you get a little money in your pocket. That's always good. The bowl gifts, that's always another great bonus to that, so that's always really looking forward to that. New sweats, shoes, clothes, the whole nine. So it's always cool to kind of get those things out of the way. But actually playing the football game, you know, getting to play somebody that's not in your conference, an unfamiliar opponent, and then leading up to that. So we have a couple different events. I remember one year we played we played NCAA football. So, like, our best players on our team, who we were the best guys, will go against another team's best players. And I remember that was the Independence Bowl, actually, when we did that in 01 or 02. And I was actually the best player on the football team in NCAA football. So I ran it up the first half against their Iowa State guy. And then next, you know, my the second half, my friend, hey, held on for the victory. But just know it was me that kicked it off and got it going. And then in Nashville, the biggest thing I remember is going against those two-headed monsters that they had at running back, Marion Barber III and, uh, and Maroney, Lawrence Maroney, that was at with the Patriots. So seeing those guys in college and, and having to tackle those guys and then having to see them later on on Sundays as well, just kind of getting an early dose of what real NFL running backs look like. It was great to go against them.
0: In your senior year, as we mentioned, you uh, you played Texas Tech in the Cotton Bowl. Crimson Tide had the number one ranked scoring defense in the country that year. Uh, and your defense played great in that game as well. But it was a clutch drive by your offense that set up a game-winning 45-yard field goal at the end with no time left. A lot of people consider that one of the most thrilling bowl games of all time. Uh, and it did not necessarily factor into the national championship picture. I mean, t- tell us about that. How did you guys feel, especially after your senior Sees it. it. was the last college football game you ever played.
3: There's no better feeling than winning your last college football game, and it it, it gives you this this sense of elation that you know because Alabama we got put on probation. We've been through so many lows. We went through you know that was my I was going on my third head coach at the time, so it was not the Alabama that people recognize and know today. It was Alabama we're in the lows, the, the the bad years, and for us to win a Cotton Bowl to play on a January first game where that meant the everything for the season and actually a big game like the Cotton Bowl against Texas Tech, where we probably – everybody thought that they were just going to come out there with Mike Leach, air it out, the air raid. How are we going to do it? And you know what? We didn't even scare shy away from it. We played straight man-to-man coverage. We blitzed the quarterback, and we tried to go get him. And we said if they beat us, they could do it. But they didn't. They only scored like, what, seven points, ten points maybe uh, the whole game. And it had to be the ugliest kick by my man Money at the end of the game I've never seen a kick that ugly that actually went in. It, it, I don't think it went eight feet off the ground the whole way. And it was just a little bit more excitement. And uh, that wasn't the first time that he had made a last second kick. And uh, just to go out with those guys that all came in with on a high note like that uh, in a victory and the way and the fashion that we had it, it was beautiful. And um, I remember earlier in the week they had a country singer that was a Texas Tech grad. I forgot. He was like the main speaker when, you know, both teams come together for the dinner. And he was the main speaker, but he was a Texas Tech guy. And he was like, guns up this and blah, 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 talking to the trash. And we're like, how do they invite the speaker that's completely biased in here? So it, we were riled up. We were ready to go. And that was when other conferences didn't know how dominant the SEC was. So we had to put them in place then, too.
0: I want to follow up on something you said as part of your answer there. At that time, going to the Cotton Bowl was a big deal for Alabama. You you, you were coming off Huge. probation. You weren't winning national championships at the, at the same rate that the program is now. But you were part of the leadership of that team. And in my opinion, in some ways, you helped lay the foundation for the national championship that happened four years later. Some of those guys were freshmen. When you were a senior, you helped recruit some of those guys. What was it like to be a part of the Alabama program at that time? And how do you feel watching them today?
3: Well, you know, it was at one point in time, we really went through this period. we like, does anybody even want to be here? Um, You know, Dennis Franchoni had just left the Texas A&M for a better job than in his eyes he wanted. We got Mike Price for three months, and he's gone. And now we're like, who's even going to want to coach us? Like, this is not how things are supposed to go. This is Alabama, all the tradition, all the pride. And the only thing we had were ourselves as teammates and our strength coach, uh, Coach Pollard at the time. So it was really weird to go through, like, man, we don't even know if anybody wants us to all of a sudden – in a year and a half, getting up to 10 wins when the year before we struggled, we were so beat up and, and hurt and now being able to finish off a year later, getting 10 wins, which is a, a benchmark to say that is a successful season finishing, I believe, in the top 10 in the end of the year rankings. And all of a sudden, like, man, we're, we're, we're sending Alabama off in the right direction, the way that I thought it would be the whole time I was here. And now then followed it up. They had a losing season, but it all set it up for Nick Saban to come in. And next, you know, boom, changed the landscape of not just Alabama, but all of college sports and especially in the SEC, because now, you know, if coaches aren't winning championships, they're no longer good anymore. And that is what Nick Saban has kind of changed our whole mind and concept of what winning is. He just went on a long rant. I don't even have to bring it up for last week about all these spoiled Seth Center fans that, and it's almost like it's his own fault. They try and blame him for it. He's trying to blame them for themselves. And it's just kind of going on and on and on. But it just really feels good to watch what Alabama's been able to accomplish now. And the fact that I they treat me so great when I come back. And and even players like Mark Ingram is like a little brother to me. It's like, you know, when we win a championship, everybody wins a championship. You know, the fact that, you know, I wasn't there for the first 12 championships, but I claim all eighteen you know, that everybody has their hand in it. When you go to Alabama, our blood is all crimson. And it's a certain sense of pride and unity when you put on that jersey at the University of Alabama that never leaves you. And we all raise our kids that way. And it just continues to go on and on and on to the next generation. So it's a special place. I'll never forget, even after my my recruiting trip, how when I left, my dad was like, I have no idea how you're going to turn this place down, my son, just because of the tradition and the honor and everything that they put into their program
0: like like a big family it sounds like
3: yes it is it really is and you know the the captains the way they've enshrined you in the cement forever it's really cool and look man i was just great because you know my nfl career was much more decorated than my college career but uh, it's okay with me I'm, I'm just happy they still let me come in and, and accept <laughs> me with open arms uh
0: prior to that cotton bowl the 2004 music city bowl against minnesota you had a uh you got a big early interception in that game. I know the game didn't turn out the way you wanted, but one more question about kind of the bowl experience. What do you remember about that bowl week? Maybe pull back the curtain for us a little bit. It doesn't have to be on the field, but off the field, some something you did with your teammates that may stick out in your mind.
3: Well, um, I'll tell it now, it was great. Me and my boys, we snuck out in Nashville. It was a great time. Um, Just uh, spending some time in the music city. And just getting to see things, uh, you know, being in a new city like that, we've never been before, hanging out with some people and uh, you know, people that had came in town that they had friends and stuff. So actually getting to see a, a different city and actually seeing what other places were like outside of Tuscaloosa or outside of the state of Alabama where I'm from was really nice to be and actually of age and to see some things and be able to go places. That was always fun. And then another thing i always remember was my my older brother was playing for Troy state at the time they played in a bowl game in San Francisco one of their first games I forget the name of it but my mom and dad ended up going to the game in San Francisco left right after halftime of his game and got on a plane flew all the way to Nashville got there changed clothes in the airport made it to my game by that first uh by the kickoff and actually saw me get the interception so it was really cool they did a big feature on them and everything it was nice and uh I was just happy that they actually made it in uh but they did a whole bunch of traveling and my parents do not miss football games when it comes to their kids so that was another thing that's just a cool little memory and story from that from that time
0: well Nashville's obviously one of the great cities in this country and and we hear that same kind of story a lot roman you know these you know, guys like you go into these cities around the country to play in bowl games that they, you may never have been to before in your life and may never go to again, but you have those experiences and those memories that, that kind of last a lifetime.
3: They do. And, you know, I, I'm telling you, I, I've been in Nashville many times since, but there's nothing like the first time you go to a city when you literally have no idea what you're doing. You're kind of just stumbling around. Oh, you know what that place looks like? Let's go in there. So we did all of that with me and my teammates, and we went out that night. It was fun. I got a whole bunch of memories. I'm not going to share them all, but just know it was a great time.
0: So now you cover college football as an analyst on SEC Network. So I'm sure you're you're going to have a keen eye on the conference championship games. Sunday is bowl selection day. Uh, what teams do you think can benefit the most from the results of this weekend?
3: Uh, Cincinnati, Michigan. Well, of course, the top four. Um but really outside of that as well is Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State could really have something to say if they go out there and win again. Especially or if Baylor wins and you have some may, some madness right there in front of them as well. Michigan drops a game to Iowa or Cincinnati loses to Houston. Those things could happen. And outside of that, man, I just want bowl games to still matter a little bit. And and why why do they not and you know, some guys like even myself You know, I looked at it as an opportunity to go out there and compete against other fellow great teams that I don't get to see on an everyday basis and that if I want to compete against the best, some of these other players are in these other conferences are the best. And so that's what I want to go out there and prove and do is that it's not so much about just playing for me and my teammates, but also I want to go against the best. So if I get another great matchup, that's the game I want to play. And I think other kids should actually look and factor into that, into their decisions when it comes to playing In the bowl games, because the moment, you know, once the playoffs start to happen and people talk about the playoffs, it really starts to diminish some of the importance of some of these other games and not understanding that this is your last college experience. And so many of you guys want to play on Sundays, but you're not. And that's so you better enjoy it right now. And you you just don't get back this moment. And there's no better feeling than winning your last college football game.
0: Thank you, Roman. I say that. Exactly what you said all the time. It just sounds so much better coming from you. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. Now you mentioned thank your you, you mentioned your pro career. You went on you went to two Super Bowls, one one. Uh, but you've come back to your roots as a college football analyst. What is it about college football in general that is always in a player's blood?
3: Uh the pageantry. I mean, you know, we I play for organizations. I got paid from different teams, but I only went to one school. And not only that, but I chose the school I got to go to. I don't get to pick and choose what NFL team you go to. You get drafted by someone. And sometimes when you're a free agent, you don't get to pick your favorite team. You only get to pick the team that wants you back or he's going to pay you money. So you make your own decision when it comes to college. That is one thing about it already. And the pageantry, the rivalries, I mean, every rivalry is made up because of the fans. And the fans hate each other like no other level. When it comes to college and people pay money to go to school there, they spend their four years there. And it's just different. You know, you grew up in a city or a town, like, okay, you root for the Panthers, you root for the saints, you root for the Cowboys. But when you pay your money, that tuition, you go to school there, not only is your child there, they, they the ones that are in school, there become fans, but the usually the parents become a little bit of fans too, because they're, they're the ones that's cutting that check and they feel like they are part of the, of the donor system they're part of everything that goes into uh, the winning programs on saturdays and for me that's the thing that really just determines it and, and really pushes it over the edge is you know everything that goes into a saturday there's nothing like it especially in the southeast um you know these games are just huge going to alabama and now working as an analyst with the sec nation and like going on the road and seeing different places that has been the funnest thing for me in my job is you know, going to Knoxville, seeing how Knoxville tailgates, going to the Grove and Ole Miss. If you don't think that's a party or the best thing in college sports has to offer, go there. It will change and blow your mind. It's absolutely amazing. Going to Jacksonville for the for Florida versus Georgia. It's an amazing time to go. And it's just means so much to so many more people. And the biggest fans in college have never even seen the campus. That's another thing that just blows my mind.
0: Well, Roman, thank you so much for your time. You've been a uh, an amazing guest. Uh, good luck to you this bowl season. Hopefully I run into thank you on the you. road somewhere sometime soon. Uh, thanks again for being on the show.
3: Hey, thank you guys for having me. And I will have to say this because you asked the previous guest this one thing. A bowl game that I always would love to have gone to and traveled to is the Sun Bowl. I just It was like this highly decorated bowl game out there in the West, like head in the middle of nowhere, and it just always looked cool to me. I would love, and the trophy is like a big sun looking thing, like a bowl, like an old plate. So I would love to have been and participated in the Sun Bowl.
0: Well, we could probably make that happen for you. So I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll work on that. All right, um, do
3: that for me. Thank you.
0: All right. We're going to take a short break and be right back with the Perfect Music City Bowl Executive Director, Scott Ramsey. Stay with us. The forecast for this tax season It's going to rain refunds, lots of refunds. File for less and get more with TaxAct, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to TaxAct.com to get started
1: today. I love the synergy of today's show because we just talked to Roman Harper, who played in the Music City Bowl. We are now joined by Scott Ramsey, who is the executive director of the TransPerfect Music City Bowl right out of Nashville. Scott, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Scott, really appreciate you joining the show. You and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, I really uh, lean on you uh, a lot for, you know, any uh, uh, advice I need in the bowl world. There's 43 executive directors. Uh, You're one of the leaders of that group. Uh, If for no other reason, you've been there a long time. You've been with the Music City Bowl since its inception in 1998. And you've seen it grow from its original home at Vanderbilt Stadium to Nissan Stadium. What has the experience been like over the last 23 years?
4: Well, I think in a broader sense, uh, Nick, it's, um, you know, I think it's the role that sports has played in the, in the growth of our city. And, uh, and certainly, you know, in the late 90s when we started the game, um, you know, I think the business mission was pretty simple from our, our mayor at the time, that we had, we had just uh, passed a referendum to build uh, Nissan Stadium, uh, recruit the Houston Oilers to Nashville, And um, his challenge was pretty simple. What other events can we put in a a city owned facility, which at the time was the largest investment uh, city government had ever invested in. And the bowl game at that time was one that we thought, well, uh, we took between Christmas and New Year's, uh, it was the slowest week of tourism um, in our in our whole year. And could we use a college bowl game to help infuse some some tourism business and same time uh, showcase our city on a uh national broadcast on espn for three hours and uh there didn't seem to be a whole lot of downside other than could we fund it and uh you know i think over the the past 23 years uh 24th year this year coming up um you know our city has really used that platform uh in sports um in combination with music uh to really uh, create a dynamic uh, downtown uh dynamic uh setting for sports events and uh, um, the bowl's really been a centerpiece of that.
0: Now, more than 1.1 million fans have attended the music city bowl since 1998. That's a lot of people coming into Nashville. Talk about the overall experience that you all produce for both the everyday fan, but also the teams, the staff, the bands from, from, from both the schools.
4: Well, I, I think we, we have remained very consistent with, uh, not trying to be somebody we're not. And, uh. You know, we think we have a great three to four day geographical location for fans to come, uh, have a blast in Nashville, uh, creating incredible environment. At the same time, we have a chance to really utilize some assets that that we have, that we feel like are unique to Nashville, um, and especially in the music end. And uh, we try to infuse that Music City brand in in every event we do. Uh, We try to make unique experiences uh, for the players, uh, for the fans, for the media, for the player parents, uh, we have a special event for them. Uh, we do put the bands in the middle of Broadway and have a battle of the bands the night before and a huge fan rally event. Uh, so we've really tried to maintain um, a, a role and, and a mission and an overall arching uh, goal of, of remaining who we are. And uh, we're a fun destination. Come for four days, have a blast, see, follow your team, and, and at the same time, players leave with great experience.
0: Now, it's probably hard to imagine that after 23 years, there's there's anything more you can do with the bowl game, but I know you're the type of person that never sits back and is never complacent. What are some of your goals as you continue to grow the game?
4: Well, I, I think there's going to be a huge inflection point, Nick. You and I have talked about it in the new iteration of postseason, uh, whatever that may be and whenever that may happen. Um, you know, at the end of this contract cycle, um, I certainly think uh, wh- whatever the the CFP model is going to be going forward. I, I think everybody has to have a plan to be be able be ready to react to that. Uh, we here in Nashville are no different, and uh, we're we're trying to kind of position ourselves to be able to uh, um, you know put ourselves in position the best we can to to advance the game, uh, whatever that may mean. It may be uh, stay where we are. SEC, Big Ten. Uh, let's bring a bunch of fans in here, fill up the stadium, fill up our city, and. And put a great event on, or it may be something that we can, uh, uh, you know, we can aspire to be more in the uh, national championship kind of realm. Um, certainly, that could be facility driven. Uh, our facility is going through a evaluation period now, and uh, you know, I think the thing that that uh, probably been most proud of since I've been here is uh, the collaboration between our public sector, uh, our professional teams, uh, both the Preds and the Titans. We have a new MLS stadium coming. Um, and in the collaboration of trying to bring events in like the bowl, like the SEC basketball tournament, like our marathon, uh, that really benefit the city. Uh, We saw that with the NFL draft. We saw that with the NHL All-Star game, and I think the bowl game and its uh, ascension um, from 10 years ago uh, has been a real great positive result of that collaboration in our city.
0: You were the chair of the Football Bowl Association Executive Committee in 2007-2008. Of course, now we call ourselves bowl season. Talk a little bit about your thoughts uh, on the value and tradition of all of our bowls. Why are each and every one of them so important in your opinion?
4: Well, certainly our industry has changed a lot. You know, I, I think when we, when we started Nick, as you, as you know, when you were at the big East, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, 17, 18 of us. And, and we were all city community based nonprofits. I, I think now with the popularity of, of what bowl games deliver and what they Um, what they do for cities. uh, I think that's certainly grown, but at the same time, I think the mission has been very consistent with everybody that puts on a game. Uh, They want the best experience for the players. They truly believe in in the positive aspects of the event for their city. Um, And uh, I think the best practices and the collaboration of all of us uh, make all of us better. And, uh, you know, uh, great friends come from it. At the same time, we compete. Uh, we're all competing for teams. We're all competing for uh, the best position we can put our cities in. But at the same time, you know, we all want to make sure that uh, the players, the coaches, the fans, uh, the administrators, the media, all leave uh, having a great experience.
0: What have been some of your favorite games at the Music City Bowl over the years?
4: Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I I look at it from a different lens. <laughs> you know, I typically look at it from – uh, the timing of certain events that that were important to us from growing the game uh, or growing our game here in Nashville. Um, you know, I look at uh, the 2014, which is the first year of the the new CFP uh, model. It was our first year of a renewal with a new sponsor. Uh, we had just tremendously increased our payouts, which increased the risk on the ball. Uh, we we're able to put Notre Dame and LSU together and, um, and it was just um, it, it was a little bit of a you know, a step up perception locally to having those two brands uh, play in Nashville. And uh, again, the timing of that event may be more important than uh, the last second field goal that Notre Dame kicked to, to win the game and uh, Leonard Fournette going off for you know, a million yards uh, all purpose. So you know again, the timing of that event really kind of set the foundation for the next few years. Um, and kind of got us to where we are now. I think looking back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you're just really trying to grow the game. So some of the games that that Roman Harper just mentioned, the Alabama game, uh, having them here and being able to to fill the stadium and uh, some building blocks along the way were were important. Uh, But, um, you know, we've had some great games, some great players, um, and uh, and certainly, uh, hopefully we'll have many more to come.
0: Well, it's an exciting time of year for for all of us. We were a few days away from selection Sunday care to make any predictions. Who's going to be in the music city bowl this year?
4: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll pass on that one. um, uh, Given how we we select now uh, I I would say this is uh, the the week where you get the least amount of sleep out of uh, worrying about uh, all the, the possibilities, both good and bad that, that can kind of roll your way and, and ways to adjust, but uh, you know I, I think what we've done well, Nick, is uh, is as bowls and as conferences, we've done a better job reacting um, w- when the CFP was uh, w- was founded in '14. We've done a better job of putting matchups together that that are fresh, um, that are unique to the cities. At the same time, um, you know, trying to kind of get um, the right team in the right city in the right year, the best we can. And I think we've worked together really well in that. Again, we all compete, but at the same time, uh, working with the conferences rather than the old pecking order um, that we used to have has created some some freshness in in the matchups. And and really, I think from a fan standpoint, uh, repetitive trips uh, were, were always a challenge. And um, you know, I think we've done a good job um, since '14 in, in in creating some matchups that. Um, that creates some some fresh uh, trips for fans and players.
0: The TransPerfect Music City Bowl is scheduled for Thursday, December 30th at 3 p.m. Eastern time at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. The game will be broadcast on ESPN. Thought, uh, Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I have tremendous respect for the job you do in Nashville uh, and, and with the Music City Bowl. Good luck this bowl season.
4: Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you soon.
0: And thank you all for listening to this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Please join us next week when we will welcome another lineup of great guests. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you could follow all the podcast and Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening.